1: Yes, it's definitely a building block, a platform in which all of the new Imola upgrades are going to work off.
2: It was by no means the most exciting of races, but F1 was back in Baku after a four-week break. Before we fly off to Miami, we're here to review the ins and outs of the weekend from Hamilton's fantastic overtaking and George's scintillating sprint performance through to certain someone's temper tantrums. Join me, Valve Baines, on this episode of the Silver Arrows podcast as we discuss all the main talking points from the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. And Joining us to do that, we welcome back lead engineer Tom Fletcher and say hello to F1 journalist Adam Williams. Tom, thanks again for coming back onto the Silver Arrows podcast. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's good good to be back. Um, finally getting some running again um, after what must have been about a month now. Uh, so yeah, all good.
2: Yeah, five races in the next six weeks. We're all excited. And Adam, welcome to the Silver Arrows podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I mean, not The most
3: entertaining race and weekend, but plenty of talking points. And I'm sure we'll get into them in a few moments' time.
2: (laughs) We definitely will. So let's get to business. Uh, Tom, let's go to you first. Not a great weekend, as Adam alluded to there for Mercedes overall, with Ferrari and Aston Martin both outscoring the Silver Arrow. So broadly speaking, Tom, what do we think wasn't working for the W14 and the team?
1: Well, firstly, Baku really is the perfect storm for Mercedes and their concept so far. You see, it's you're looking at 2.2 kilometers straight. We know they're down on, on straight line performance as they are. As well as that, they really struggle on in, in the slow speed corners. It's something that Baku is very famous for. Lots of 90 degrees, slow speed, stop-start corners. Um, so yeah, really, it was always going to be about damage limitation. And to be honest with you, I think they did an okay job, all considered. I think it's really
3: interesting how Mercedes and Ferrari—they—they've kind of got their the same car characteristics that they've had for a while. I, I think back to 2017 when Toto Wolf was referring to the diva um, when where Mercedes were struggling back then to to get the tires warmed up. Of course, uh, is different technical reasons, but. Certain tracks suit certain teams, and, and that has been the case for a while. We know that Silverstone, for example, is a track that Mercedes particularly enjoys, uh, but Baku is definitely not one of those places, even though they've had three race wins there. Uh, but that's because they've been quite dominant as a team over the years, I suppose.
2: Yeah, no, they definitely have, Adam. Uh, let's let's pick into to both drivers. So let's go with car number 44 first. Lewis Hamilton, so how do you think his race specifically Adam went?
3: I think he definitely got unlucky with the safety car. He wasn't the only one plenty do get caught out when it goes from virtual safety car to safety car. It's one of those things that the drivers and the teams have to cope with. However, he did cope with it well and and had a great restart uh managed to take stroll on and, and overtake russell and He was looking close to Carlos Sainz towards the end. Didn't quite make a fifth place, but fifth place, sixth place, that's not what he or Mercedes want right now. He'll be positive with the performance, but he'll still be frustrated underneath because he wants to be up front fighting those red bulls.
2: Yeah, he wants that eighth world title. Tom, how do you think his race went? Hamilton had a really strong race in my opinion. His experience really showed managing
1: to keep on on the back of signs in the early laps. It was really impressive. By overcooking his medium tires, uh, we ground to see some graining, but he did handle it well, but unfortunately, yeah. He got unlucky with the safety car. Nick de Vries causing that safety car, meaning that effectively he boxed a lap early when really he should have waited a lap and then rejoined during the safety car period. I think that that lack
3: of downforce that you were talking about a few moments ago, Tom, and hopefully for Mercedes, those updates will help in Imola. That lack of downforce, that was what was meaning that Hamilton couldn't catch the Ferrari so that it was within about half a second at the beginning of that long straight in Baku. And that otherwise, it could have been that Hamilton was able to move on and and maybe take it to Alonso for fourth, because we knew he was he was stronger than Stroll by a long way in the Aston Martin. So you, you never know what might have been capable with that extra bit of downforce. I'm sure he will be hoping for plenty of that when it comes to him, and I, but no drag. <laughs> We don't want too much more drag on that car. No, <laughs> otherwise it will be going back to to the car of last year.
2: Yeah, no, we definitely want that. Alonso said on radio that he could see some graining on Hamilton's tie as well, which you mentioned, Tom, in your previous answer. So, Tom, let's go to you next with George's race in the main Grand Prix, in the main race. How do you think he? How do you think he fed?
1: George's race initially started off well, getting past two cars um, on the first lap. However, then it started to go a little bit downhill compared to Hamilton. After the safety car period and the the restart, Lewis getting past Hulkenberg and Ocon very quickly and cleanly, whereas Jordan was very much too late on the brakes, outbraked himself into turn one, effectively letting Stroll through, which then allowed Lewis to latch onto the back of him um, and make pass down on the following lap. Down his turn one, down the inside, without DRS assistance, great driving from Hamilton. And then Hamilton is then able to pull away using his hard tyres more effectively and managing the deg as well is another thing that uh, Lewis was good at.
2: Yeah, that experience of, of Lewis definitely showing. Uh, Adam, how do you think George's race uh, went for the main Grand Prix? I think George's
3: race on Sunday was made on Friday afternoon uh, for, for the qualifying, where It was just a fraction of a second. What was it? One or two hundredths of a second he missed out on Q3. I'm trying to think it is Q3, not SQ3 or whatever we were calling Saturday. Yeah, it was Q3. Uh, I'm getting confused with all these names. But yeah, he was so unlucky not to get into the top 10 shootout. I can't say top 10 shootout because then we'll (laughs) we'll get confused again. But you know what I mean? The final session which decided the top 10 for the starters on Sunday because Hamilton was 10th he only just scraped through and then he managed to to pull out a stonking lap to go p5 and and Russell we know is quite capable of that so when you start down in the pack like that it's is going to be more difficult and and yes he made a good start and yes he was a little bit lucky with the the safety car coming out at the right time um however, he, he didn't make the best use of it unfortunately, so well- well he he showed great speed on the day previous, uh, as we'll discuss in a bit. um I think Sunday was slightly disappointing for Russell there um however, we know he's a good driver, and he's still learning, he's still young, so um yeah, exciting stuff to come and and as we said with Hamilton. It, it it doesn't really matter. I think he said this. It doesn't matter whether you're fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. is not winning. And that's what they're there for. That's what Mercedes are, are in Formula One for. So, yeah. Yeah, they, they want to win. Disappointed, really. Yeah,
2: no, I, I completely agree, Adam. So, what, what do you think George could have done better in the race whilst it's happening uh, with those laps going on?
3: The only glaring mistake was the the safety car restart he said it himself in in language that i don't think i can use on this podcast but um yeah um other than that it, it, it's just tire tires tire management maybe uh he, he could have done that better but we know that lewis is really good at that i feel like lewis Hamilton's really underrated of course we say checo Perez is the tire whisperer but but we know that Lewis has worked really hard on, on fostering that skill. Uh, and, and George can learn from that over time, as, as Checo Perez did from Kamui Kobayashi, I believe, when they were in Salva. I've really messed up in terms of going off topic with a team, but that I think was relevant.
2: Yeah, no, it is. it was like Vettel was saying at a press conference a couple of years ago, how Hamilton's so good at massaging those tyres. And we all remember uh, what he said afterwards. Again, I don't want to to repeat what he said. So let's go on to uh, strategy. Adam, do you think there's a chance of running an an alternative strategy for for the main Grand Prix on Sunday?
3: I think that it was fairly standard, really. Uh, You you didn't want to touch the softs with a barge pole after we saw what happened to the likes of Lando Norris And I think it was Esteban Ocon or Pierre Gassi who had soft tyres in the sprint. Uh, So we knew that they wouldn't last very long. And and then the other option was taking hards all the way to the end, nearly running someone over in the pit lane and then having softs for a lap. Um, So, so yeah, it it had to be uh, mediums to hards. So it made sense, especially as we know that red flags in uh, safety cars are, are very much possible, and, and it struck again in, in the streets of Baku. So, yeah, maybe you could have, have run a, a hard tyre as long as you wanted, which is what I presume Ocon was doing, hoping that a late safety car or red flag would come out, in which case you'd lose no time at all. But, yeah, I, I think it was fairly shut and closed in terms of the case for, for what strategy you chose, although. I know that the other guest
1: here is the numbers man, so I'll hand it over to you, yeah, no, I totally agree. i think if if you're if you're a front runner you you have to choose the mediums, otherwise you're just going to get eaten up on on the first lap. It kind of forces your hand with that decision anyway, really only one way to go
2: so adam i I read a stat that Lewis Hamilton completed. 31% of the track passes on the Baku street. What, what would you think of that stat? Well,
3: we know we know he can race well, and and he showed it again, but I think that's a stat that you can maybe read a little bit too much into. I, I don't know whether it was 13 or 17 passes. I think it was 17 passes, actually. My maths is not what it was. Um, it's 13, 13. There was 13 passes in, in the race, and... And so the fact that Lewis Hamilton got four of them, yeah, it's great for him. But it speaks more so about the fact that these cars that are made to overtake easier, are they that actually that easy to overtake in? Maybe not in Baku, which we thought was a good circuit for overtaking, but that long straight and DRS, uh, it might it might speak more to that, and maybe that is a reason that the FIA. Step in and slightly tweak the current set of regulations a little bit earlier than we were expecting, and it might in transit peg Red Bull back a bit. I don't know maybe that's that's the sort of a thing that could happen i don't I don't know whether we necessarily want it to happen. We want to have that that kind of uh, well I would imagine that the Mercedes would like. More the idea of the fact that they, through their hard work, grit and determination, managed to catch Red Bull rather than Red Bull kind of being given a, a bit of ballast, if you like, in, 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 in the way of the regulations being changed about uh,
1: to pull them back. I still feel that we need, we need to wait a little bit. These new rule set is very new. Um, and as, as we always see, as they develop, the teams naturally get closer. Uh, I think at the moment, there's too too much of a performance delta between each of the teams, which just makes it more difficult to overtake, basically. You can't... The teams just aren't close enough to each other at the moment. I hope we can see them uh, slowly edge closer to, to one another as the rules mature. And don't forget the, the likes of Mercedes,
3: because they are not at the top of the championship as they, they used to be in over these years. They've got more time in the wind tunnel, so they can make that gap smaller more quickly uh they will hope although remember aston martin they'll have even more more hours in the winter after finishing seventh uh i i guess as probably mercedes main rivals as well as customers that will be a concern for the silver arrows um, moving forward this season that, that kind of development race with aston martin
2: definitely interesting to to see what happens during the course of, of this uh season so Tom, let's go to you in terms of the sprint race. Let's let's move on to that. Qualifying for George was a lot better this time round. What do you think changed?
1: For me, I, I think it was uh, Lewis, really, uh, falling back in terms of their relative performance. Lewis really struggled on the brakes compared to Russell. That's where he was losing most of his time all through shootout qualifying and the sprint race. For me, I think Lewis would have been a lot closer, but a couple of things... Obviously, I mentioned about him him not performing well on the brakes, but another thing that really annoyed me a little bit was his poor positioning After, after the restart, the safety car restart. He got a good run on signs, went to the outside, and as we know, the outside, particularly on that, on turn one, at Baku, it's not the place to be, and ended up getting squeezed against the wall, and then letting Alonso through. And then from that point on, he's stuck behind an uh, effectively a faster car. And that, that was his race over. That was the defining moment in
3: the sprint for Lewis, that, that trying to, to make up a place and eventually losing one. Um, a little bit unfortunate, really, because we know how hard, we, we've just talked about the stats of how hard it's been to overtake. So he would have been damned if he did and damned if he didn't. Uh, if he'd had not gone for the move, we might have been sat here questioning, why didn't you go go and try and get Carlos Sainz at the start and and Sainz had shown him down the outside and uh, we know how, I know we use the word a lot with Fernando Alonso, but he is wily and and he did his thing and cut underneath and, and took the place. But I think the way that Lewis might have looked at that is it's only a point lost and it could be a point gain. So that's the thing about the sprint race. <laughs> There's not much gained and mu- not much lost, really. Uh, and 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 the big points were on Sunday, and that's where he really made it count. So so yeah, I, I I think that you're right, though George Russell definitely outperformed him on on Saturday. So on on George, we saw his mighty start. He was on the same row as Max Verstappen, and he got his elbows out and and fair play to him because Max Verstappen's in the faster car and, and is the driver leading the championship. It doesn't mean that, that you can't take it to him. And the damage on Max's car, yes, they, they had a little bit of a touch in when they were going through turns two and turns three, but I almost feel like some of that damage could have come as a result of them bumping each other on, on the straight as well. And Verstappen was doing a similar sort of thing in terms of trying to come over and, and push George to the inside as, as he did with Lewis. If if you remember um, in Silverstone when they had that almighty battle in 2021, you might know what happened next, uh cops. Um, but I think that whole saga comes as a result of A, it was a fairly boring race, so it's something good to talk about. And B, because Max Verstappen struggles to <laughs> to yield and um, I, it's an interesting dynamic in the the George Russell in that circumstance he's got nothing to lose there really um, Mercedes aren't the favorites he's not competing for a championship so he, he needs to be aggressive and that's what Max Verstappen had to do uh, in previous seasons when Red Bull weren't quite as dominant and Mercedes were so it's it's an interesting dynamic change and it made for good viewing come Saturday um and it made the rounds on TikTok and Instagram and whatever else you want to want to uh, enjoy your social media so great enjoyment for us as fans with two drivers having a bit of fisty cuffs afterwards when they get out of the car
2: yeah no it was definitely uh, interesting to see tom what do you think of the of the collision that happened during the collision and then after as well.
1: So, firstly, Red Bull, we've seen them have a, another bad start. Um, I think this could be down to their uh, anti dive and anti squat suspension, maybe not allowing the car to squat initially off the line, um, which gives them a little bit of a disadvantage. That then allowed um, Russell down the inside, the turn one. And then staying on the inside through one, two, and three, he, for me, no question, it was, it was nothing to do with Russell, uh, the contact. If anything, it was, it was Max actually squaring the corner off that, that caused him to come together. And yeah, definitely he had more than a car's width to the edge of the circuit, plenty of racing room. Um, and I think um, what we can learn from, from his little emotional outburst was that he, he's scared of, uh, of Russell and potentially him bringing the fight to him um in, in in the season to come
3: it was yeah it was an interesting comment he made in in the presser afterwards um in the fia press conference when he said they they don't seem to be able to overtake me uh, without having a collision with me talking about both mercedes drivers you know it's almost like that that kind of mercedes are the enemy is mm-hmm. in his mind as as he's going racing and george was always going to understeer somewhat going into that corner he he was going trying to go so tight to leave the room but as we as we just said max verstappen was the one doing the risky business by sticking it around the outside and when he he could have just yielded and gone past to the next corner and yeah that that might cost verstappen uh championship points well it did cost him
1: championship points not that that matters to us
2: no it doesn't know for me uh, uh
1: Verstappen actually tightening up the corner for Russell is what's led to his understeer into the side of him. Yeah. Um, if, if he'd been a bit more, open the corner a bit more and appreciate where Russell was going to be at the apex, then I think the contact would have been totally avoided anyway. I think the key
3: thing here to, to summarize whether or not this was a racing incident, because let's be clear, it was a racing incident, is when Christian Horner was being interviewed afterwards, he struggled quite a lot to to come up with an area where he could blame George Russell for anything that he did there. And this is Christian Horner.
2: <laughs> and uh, Damon Hill on Sky Sports, uh commentary called Verstappen a, a petulant child, which I think sums it, sums it all up, which was uh, brilliant to hear. Uh, let's move on to, to upgrades, Ed. Tom, uh, so subtle track-specific stuff, but the big thing was the new suspension. Uh, do you think this is a building block to the upgrade, that the massive upgrade that we're looking to see in Imola?
1: Yes, it's definitely a building block, uh, a platform in which all of the new Imola upgrades are going to work off. One thing that was interesting was noticeably, as, as the car slows down into, into slow-speed corners, the the balance shift moves forwards. Um, causing huge oversteer moments, you could see uh, Hamilton absolutely sliding through all the corners. Look more like it was appropriate for something like Tokyo Drift or something. And I've I've never seen a modern F1 car with such such a yaw <laughs> angle coming out for these corners. Absolutely incredible! Yeah, even more impressive that he was he was managing his t- his tyres well by doing that. Yeah, effectively, I think that's ultimately what's caused the graining. So graining happens when you you have peak temperature cycles so effectively the 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 outer surface of the tire just gets way too hot and becomes much softer than the, the the rubber underneath and then you start ripping the tire literally ripping the tire apart and then you end up with small balls of rubber over the surface of the tire that then causes the car to slide about more you then peak the temperatures again even more and then you enter this downward spiral that you can only really get out of by backing off cleaning the tyres up and then and then pushing again. But yeah, that's ultimately what's caused his early stop. Whether or not it was down to him pushing too hard that's caused the graining or it's just an inherent car problem with a really bad balance shift in the slow speeds, it's a difficult question to answer. But definitely in the latest stints when fuel burnt off, he was, he was managing the hards a lot, a lot better.
2: Tom, this might be a silly question to ask, but is there a way to, to stop graining or maybe even reduce the... Damages to, to graining uh, on an F1 car?
1: So, the way to do it is well, with the Mercedes issue that they're having, um, is to do what George is doing. Um, effectively, driving a bit slower, not letting the, the rear of the car step out too much, um, just keeping the, the temperatures under control uh, is the big thing, the key thing. However, we did see that. You know, George was losing out, so it's just a case of how much, how much do you push? When do you push? And I think, I think George was slightly too conservative on that on that occasion.
2: So, uh, Adam, let's move on to Hamilton's future, and it seems to be a point of discussion every single week we're here on the Silver Arrows podcast. So, some positive vibes come from this weekend, where he said, "I'm thinking long term. I don't want to stay here for another year. I want to stay longer." So, Adam, how important? a part are the upgrades in whether Hamilton will stay or whether he will go or not? I think that the upgrades
3: in him in are important as, as a morale boost for not just Lewis, but the whole team, really. They've had a, cu- a tough couple of years um, and they want a victory. Lewis wants a victory this year just to to show the world that he can still do it it's it's longer what's the stat it's longer since Lewis's last victory than it ever has been between two of Verstappen's victories which I believe was 2016 Spain and what was it Malaysia 2017 or something like that I can't remember but uh, it's been a while that's for sure Um, I think Lewis won't make the decision based on the upgrades but he will take that into consideration i think james allison coming back to -to day-to-day management of of the technical side i know we've gone into this on a a previous podcast um but i think that that is something that will have lewis's vote of confidence i think it would be a shock if he didn't stay at mercedes long term i wouldn't be surprised to see him in some sort of managerial or board role akin to Nicky Lauda in the long term. And yeah, you, you see him retiring there. Uh, it, it's just a question of how many years he's willing to wait until he can compete in a title winning car, or a title competing car at least. Is it going to be this year? No. Is it going to be next year? Probably not. So he's probably going to be waiting around until 2025 to find out. Now, does he get a contract until then and then decide to call it quits? but then help Mercedes develop for the new rules in 2026 The big change. In 2026, just for, I don't know, Charles Leclerc, Orlando Norris, and George Russell to, to benefit from it. These are the questions that he'll be thinking all while he's getting closer and closer to the age of 40. I also think that it'll be interesting to to see how this Alison Elliott thing pans out because essentially Mike Elliott is going to be more responsible for what happens in 2026. So after what happened in 2022, is Hamilton going to be confident that Mike Elliott can get it right for 2026 because i think that 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 might be a, an issue and it's not not just that they didn't do well in 2022 it's the fact that they decided to continue pursuing that particular pathway of course he famous he said they didn't listen to me um when they went into 2023 so i think these are all going to be the considerations he has But I see him signing on maybe until the end of 2026. How old is he going to be? 41 at that point. Fernando's still doing well at that age. And by that point, he'll know whether or not it's a good car or not. Um, And and if he wins in 2026, I see him retiring and going and pursuing other things, but staying at the team in that leadership role.
2: Yeah, Adam, you're breaking my heart. Uh, Tom, is there any uh, positive... Uh, news you can you can give for us uh, Mercedes fans and Hamilton fans. Sorry,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Mercedes are are pushing in the right direction. I think Hamilton. You can see he's noticeably more cheerful. He knows what's coming. He knows he knows what to expect in Imola. I think and and surprisingly they, they've gone a, bit, a little bit quiet about it. Um, normally they've got everything out, uh, their dirty laundry out, and they're they're talking about what what performance they're going to see and this that and the other. But I think. He is very happy in, in Mercedes. He knows... It's his home. He, he knows the direction. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's his home. And seeing seeing him develop the car, maybe pushing it in the way he wants it rather than the way George wants it, I think that's going to be very powerful to him. Trying to do that elsewhere, it may be a little bit difficult. I, I, can't, I cannot see him moving if I'm honest. I think that that's a really good
3: point that you make about Lewis being in a really positive place because with Angela Culler leaving at a weird time and all this negativity around the new car not doing so well, it, it could have quite easily spiralled, but he seems in that positive frame of mind. So, So you're right. Maybe... Imola will be another positive thing that, that, that can keep him going in the right direction. And, and hopefully that the upgrades aren't disappointing enough for him to change his emotions. Oh, I feel like I'm being negative. I, <laughs> I pride myself in being positive. <laughs> I've just
1: seen it so many times. Yeah. Also, one other thing we need to appreciate that the Mercedes isn't actually a bad car as it is at the moment. Their their floor for me is actually really really good. Um, the only problem with it is trying to get it in the window, um, like like you saw in Australia. Once it's in that window, it generates good clean downforce, um, helping that then helps the tires, uh, helps the life of the tires. And I think Lewis Lewis knows that, and he, he he knows everyone in the team. He knows he knows where they're pushing, um, and and what they need to do, and and also I think they. He has faith now that they are listening to him. Now they're changing the concept. I think, I think. yeah, he's in a good place.
2: So we've spoken about the upgrades in Imola. Tom, what do you think we can expect on the W14?
1: Well, what I'm hoping to see is a, is a much more stable floor. So we're seeing a good, clean downforce um, produced by the floor over varying ride heights. This just means that the car's easier to set up. You're not running around with heave springs and, and trying to get those the right heights where you need them and that then helps over everything every all corner speed are then healed so yeah that's what i'm hoping for maybe a bit more efficient downforce generation but again that's linked to the floor and how the floor is working in terms of side pods i don't know whether we're going to see side pods on on, on the car i think that's a red herring really it's for me it's all could be suspension based or or the geometry of the floor Either either one of those we're looking for a nice uh, bleeding off effect. So, effectively What what Red Bull is so good is that is when when the downforce comes on and and the ride height lowers. Um, normally, with these with these tunnels, you get an exponential rise in downforce, which then pulls the floor even closer to the to the ground, and then you make contact, and then you you enter the porpoising phase. But what Red Bull are doing is is bleeding off. So. As as the floor gets lower and lower and lower, to, to almost contact, you're dumping a little bit of downforce um, and and stopping a, a large oscillation. And anything in those regions, I'm I'm hoping um, Mercedes are going to bring forward. Maybe they can then run the car a little bit softer as well, which is is what they're they're struggling with at the moment. Running car softer brings you better mechanical grip. You can ride curves better, and then have a have a more stable car throughout the, uh, the speed range. Yeah. So. I by
3: no means is as technically minded as you, Tom, so I couldn't possibly comment as much as that. But my understanding is that the the reason that Mercedes can have the side pods they've got is because of their cooling system um, being something similar to to what space rockets use or something like that, and that's why they can have it full. So I wouldn't see any benefit in increasing the size of of the cooling unless they need they need to do it for an aerodynamic reason in terms of weight and in terms of less drag, that that's surely a good thing to have less car to to kind of get through the air. Um but in terms of what I see you know, what I'm expected to see, I don't really know. I'm I just expect to see a quicker car with with a bit more downforce because Imola will require the, the the downforce at those slow speed corners as as well as the high speed straight. So to be fair, it is it's a really good test, that and Barcelona will be as well, of how how good this Mercedes is going to be. Barcelona, generally, if you're good there, you're good in most places. That's why we saw Mercedes go on pole position. And I think, yeah, they were on pole position for 10 years straight, weren't they? Was it 2013? No, 2012 and 2021. There's a stat I've just reached out of nowhere. Um, but we know that they were good for that period of time. And, and, and generally, if you're good there, you're good at most places. So I think Imola will, will be interesting. I think Catalonia will be critical.
1: It would be good to see some, um, some performance gains from the PU as well. I still yeah have a feeling that the Red Bull powertrain is, is slightly better Dare I say than Mercedes just on the basis of this race? Maybe the Red Bull running noticeably bigger rear wing um, than and all other cars then was helping their their DRS efficiency effect when when obviously opening up a, a bigger rear wing will give you a, a larger speed increase than, than opening a smaller rear wing for example. So yeah, if if they could bring some more performance out of the PU, that's definitely going to help. Maybe introduction of. Some kind of side pod to help the air around the rear rear tires keep keep the outwash working to reduce the drag um, that we're seeing. Any development in those regions is going to really help um, Mercedes, I think. You mentioned engines
3: there. Of course, Aston Martin are, are a customer of Mercedes, so we know that they're not doing too badly as a car. The, the difference is that they've got more downforce. They've also have they got the same suspension? I think they do. Days of Mercedes suspension, so Mercedes suspension can't be too bad either. I think that the the critical thing will be downforce and, and the efficiency of that. But of course, yeah, you're right with the engine stuff, and and things can always be better. And Mercedes will hope for better, not just better, the best, but that will come with time.
2: Adam, Tom, thank you so much for joining us here on the Silver Arrows podcast. It's been, uh, been an absolute pleasure.
1: Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having us again. i uh, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for
3: inviting me into this this place of Mercedes talk. And I'm sure I'll be back <laughs> at some point if you'll let me.
2: The door's always <laughs> open, Adam. The door's always open. Thank you. And that's about it for this week. A massive thank you to Tom and Adam for joining us. And thanks to you for listening. Do remember to follow us on Twitter at MerckF1Pod and hit that follow button in your podcast app. If you're enjoying these episodes and feeling extra kind, drop us a review and share this episode with anybody who you think may enjoy it.
0: We'll see you next week in app. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership.